Welcome to Phoenix Foundation, an episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And this week we'll be tackling Season 3, Episode 18, Rock the Cradle. was April 18th, 1988, which is a mere five months, uh, just about five months after Three Men and a Baby came out, uh, just coincidentally. Yeah, yeah, quite No relevance to the yeah, plot of this episode. Um, it was directed by Michael Bahar, who's done a bunch of these and does one of the TV movies, and it's been written by John Wobbly, who's been writing a lot of them lately. Um, why don't we get into the brief overview of this episode? Well, in this episode, uh, Mac and Jack Dalton are left with an unexpected surprise of a baby in Jack's plane uh, with a note that the baby needs to be taken care of because the mom is on the run. Right. And we start with them already on a plane together. The right. The Dalton air is, is off the ground. Um, I think we start in the plane so that we don't have to explain how he convinced MacGyver to get in an airplane with him. Exactly. <laughs> um, and, and we see that Dalton air is like the word Dalton is just plastered over whatever was there previously, but the yeah. word air is still part of the plane. Yeah, it's like handwritten on, on like, white tarp that's yeah. just strapped down over the top of the plane. And the, the plane is clearly, like, seen better days. It's yeah. it's struggling to keep up in the air. It's making all kinds of noises yeah. and rattling. And the, the left side engine keeps cutting out. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, J- MacGyver is just uh, at a loss because things just keep breaking down on the plane. But luckily, they're only 10 miles away from the airfield. Right. Unluckily, yeah. uh, as they go to engage the landing gear, only one side comes down. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is kind of a neat shot. We just see the landing gear come down on the on the right side of the plane, yeah. on the MacGyver's side. But the one underneath, uh, Jack, is not coming down. And the Jack points it out on the dash and says, See these lights? The good news is that green light means that your landing gear came down <laughs> on your side. But uh, mine did not. Um, there's a lot of really good like professional flying being done here because the yeah. plane the plane is only only has one engine running yeah um you know they've, they've actually we don't even know for sure that any of the engines are running I, f- I feel like they might have turned them both off but we're only looking at one engine at a time uh i i think some of the wide shots you can see that one engine is still running you do see both yeah okay um so i mean you know and you I, definitely see them put down one of the landing gear yeah ex- and leave exactly. the other one up yeah uh so i don't know why those would come down individually maybe for maintenance purposes or something mm. Uh, so Mac has to go and check it uh, by like climbing down into the actual wheel well of the landing gear. And luckily, he had the foresight to put on a parachute. It, yeah, the only parachute that yeah. they had, uh, because uh, he. I says, feel like I would just have one of those on anytime I was in a plane with Jack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, he's like, Jack's all. We only have the one parachute. Yeah. Well, whose fault is that? Yeah. He was like, Well, what about me? He's like, Well, the captain always goes down with the ship. <laughs> um. So Mac has it on as an emergency uh, uh, procedure. Yeah. Um, but uh, when he sees that the hydraulic line has completely been uh, drained for the one landing gear, he grabs a like an oxygen. I guess it's an oxygen tank. It, this plane doesn't seem like it, it's the kind that flies high enough to require it. Yeah. Um, but uh, but they they have one on board, and he instead of a. Using it, the hydraulic line, he makes it a pneumatic line. And speaking of their shallow flight, the the footage when we're seeing him do this repair looks like they're maybe like 
yeah, like a thousand feet up. Like yeah, the, yeah, the houses barely. look really close b- you, behind him. We, we can we can clearly see cars driving. Yeah. Uh, Pools in people's backyards. Yeah. Um, which is great. It's great footage. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like the 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 straight down footage that we're seeing through the wheel well looks really good. Yeah. Um, it must be just blue screen that they shot through the wheel. But well. but there's yeah. clearly a drop there because then when he finally gets this thing all reconnected yeah and the landing gear comes down because it was already in the position to lower and then he just falls through with it and you see him like catching on things right but then eventually loses his grip yeah like the 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 landing gear greasy oily or for whatever probably the hydraulic fluid right like leaked all over it and so he is forced to to fall off and deploy his parachute but luckily when he does he's much higher up in the air yeah suddenly they're they're thousands of feet up but yeah, so then now that Jack has both of his landing gear down, he could just kind of circle around with him. Yeah, um, and and even when the plane touches down, only one engine is still running. So it's it's they, they again, it's some really good professional flying. I mean, I can imagine that flying a plane with one engine, especially a two engine plane, is much be really difficult. Yeah. Um, but the music that they play during this whole sequence of Mac- MacGyver parachuting and Jack landing, it's an incredible like rendition of the score. It's it's a very i don't even know how to describe it i i just my notes said like it's like a game show it's like game show music it's like a game show version of the theme yeah 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 Um, it's a little bit slower yeah but um more grandiose um and uh, of course like you know jack pulls the plane into the hangar and come is overjoyed that they that that they made it and that mac made it yeah um but but, macgyver's just pissed off as he's trying to tuck the the parachute back into a, a packable lump. Yeah, and he and and MacGyver's like just he's done. He's done yeah. flying with Jack, which he says every time. Yeah, like he, he this is not a new speech from MacGyver. Um, uh, and uh, Jack says that's fine. You don't ever have to fly with me again. <laughs> but I do have a job on my ground crew. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> as as they're talking, a piece of the plane just falls right off and lands yeah. flat on the ground. Um. Uh, he constantly is doing that, though, too. And he does it several times in this episode where he's like, look, I totally agree with you, Mac. You're never going to have to do that. But I do need you to do this. Yeah. And here's why you have to do it. The classic uh, Dalton ultimatums. Yeah. Uh, so from here we go to a uh, nightclub called the Officer's Club. Right. Which is like a airplane World War Two themed uh, club. Which is either a, a real club that's like probably close to an airport in vancouver Mm -hmm. or something that was used in a movie somewhere because it looks like way too much set design yeah for just a one-off episode yeah because there's there's like a control tower set up for the office yeah the people managing the the club can can look down on the floor from above and it's painted to look like an air traffic control tower Mm -hmm. and then there's just there's airline stuff all over the place there's this really cool like split wall door in their office upstairs mm-hmm. that it just seems like it would have been a lot of work to do all this from scratch yeah especially the the design on the mirrored wall yeah like of, of like this this prop it's plane. like a big stencil of a, yeah. of a prop plane it looks yeah. really cool yeah um and uh we kind of just kind of like get like a quick view of the club of the, the waitresses are dressed like for, like they're from the 40s right 40s style kind of stewardesses uh steward eye <laughs> yeah steward eye that's the thing yeah um and uh we where this is where we meet the uh two antagonists of the story cutler and durst right um 
they are in the counterfeiting business and they've got a pair of authentic plates and they've like been been able to i guess they got the ink too it's like it's all it's, it's all related to making it's a printing money you, have, yeah, you yeah. Need to have a lot of specific things to print it um the only thing they don't have is is good quality paper right uh the, the, they're using i guess they're just using whatever paper they got um and uh, so as they're kind of discussing their plan, um, they're making a deal to actually get real, legitimate, government mint-style paper. Yeah. Which I believe is actually more of a cotton. It's like a, it's like a cotton-based paper. Yeah. Um, that's as I understand it. Um, uh, but uh, the dealer won't take the fake money, which I think is, like, it's even odd that they offered it to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have this fake hundred thousands, because I guess if you can spend it, it's yeah, as yeah. good. Like you but there's 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 not as many places you can spend it. Yeah, it it would take you longer to launder it because you're gonna have to spend it over time. Yeah. Versus like all at once. Um. So uh, this is food truck money. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> you, what I would can call it. Can you break a hundred? <laughs> um. Did you ever see Kill the Man? It's a Luke Wilson movie. I don't know if I did. It's it's about these two guys who who run a a small like. Uh, copy and print center, like a like an independent. Oh, line. I think you've mentioned it on the podcast actually before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they're like literally running across the street and photocopying money. Yeah, well, they're they're photocopying money there, and then they're going across to the Kinkos and buying stuff there. Yeah, like they're buying like a pencil for a hundred dollar with a hundred dollar bill, so they keep having to break it. <laughs> uh, it's a pretty silly movie. But yeah, it, but I, both of these guys, um, Cutler and Durst, are they both come back for future episodes? Yeah, uh, Durst is in uh, season four, episode four, Wing and a Prayer. Which has presumably more airplanes in it. Yeah. And uh, uh, Don Thompson, who plays Cutler, comes back for six one tough boys. Nice. Um. But they're just walking back into the like secret section yeah. of the office. Yeah. The, the the we mentioned the mirrored wall. Yeah. Stencil. There's like a revolving door or a rotating door in the in the stencil, and when they walk through it into the other half of their office, we see that from the back of the stencil that it's a one-way mirror so that you can't tell that there's this other annex. Mm -hmm. And they go to, they have a little machine that they've been running with, uh, with all their counterfeit money and poker chips to try and weather it, make it look like it's been spent. It's it's weird to use poker chips. I mean, I, I don't know. I I think that's a pretty standard thing. I'm pretty sure they did that on lethal weapon four too. Yeah. You know, I was, I was kind of thinking about that. Yeah. I I knew that they they had dryers and stuff in lethal weapon. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they dump poker chips in there too. Um, at least I've seen it in movies, so I'm yeah, assuming yeah. that's a regular thing to do. That's where I remember. They I remember when I used to think that that's what laundering money meant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, well, As they... to channel it through an intermediary. <laughs> <laughs> From office space. Yeah. How come these dumb, muscly guys could do this and we're smart and we can't do it? Um. Well, as they enter their like uh, secret room, they see some of the money is spilled out all over the floor. Yeah, and they realize like whoever so- took it took it in a hurry. Yeah, and literally just dropped a bunch of cash on its way out of the room. And uh, they open up the printing press and find out that the plates also have been stolen. Right. Um, Which those two things should not have been in the same room anyway. But well, and, it's not my operation. <laughs> and and really, I mean, we're gonna meet the guy who stole the money. But why would you steal the plates? So that you could print your own money. I I don't I don't feel like. He would have done that? I don't know. Maybe not. But, I mean, it didn't seem like they took enough money, really. Because, like, like if you leave the plates, they'd be out the money that you that they printed. 
but, but they wouldn't not, be after you. Yeah, because it's not real money. Yeah, they can print more, um, and they don't need. Well, to print it's more. almost real money because basically all like it's it's an authentic plate. Right. So they're out that, which is a big deal for them. Right, but they but they need the real paper anyway. I feel like like it, had Carlo been less greedy, he could have gotten away with this. Yeah, if he'd have just taken the paper, they would have been like, "Oh, that set us back two hours." Yeah, exactly. Of printing <laughs> like okay. Anyway, back to the back to back to you know we need the real paper anyway. Yeah. Um. So, uh, we kind of come down. to But the, he doesn't just take. Yeah, he takes the money and the plates, puts them all in a bag, and then stays at the club yeah. to go tell people about it instead of just immediately leaving the second he exactly. got away with it. So from here we go down to the uh, bar floor again, and we follow a waitress named Katie. Yeah. And she is responding to the cry of baby in the back room, which is right. her baby. Yeah. And uh, and she's back there, and she is surprised to see Carlo, her current boyfriend, there tending to the baby. Right. Uh, she's going to come back too for uh, season six, episode thirteen, Wasteland. Uh, which I hope is the uh, like. Mad Max episode of whatever. <laughs> Sounds like it. Well, isn't Wasteland supposed to be the title of the next Mad yeah, Max? Yeah, exactly. Movie? Yeah. Very right. See it. Uh, so, uh, Carlo is like all super excited. He's got like he's like he, we're getting out of here. Uh, I got all the money we need. He's slashing like the the fake money in front of her, and she immediately knows that he must have ripped them off. Yeah. Uh, and Cutler and Durst immediately suspect Carlo of ripping yeah. them off because apparently he had been snooping around. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing in our office, buddy? <laughs> That's when I lock the part of my office that doesn't have all the illegal stuff in it. Too. Yeah. So you can't even check the walls to get into the bad part. Exactly. But it also seems like there's literally no way to lock this secret alcove. Well, yeah, because yeah, there's like Because it's button. just a wall that you push. Yeah, it's just a button. So yeah, it's like, it opens it up. I mean... Anybody who finds that button, which you would assume is around the rim of a desk. Like, yeah. That's just the first place I would check for it. No one no one ever hides the button in a in a different place, yeah. you know? But yeah, so he... Fig- like, they start shouting for him, and they're they're shooting at him from upstairs, or... No, no, like, they, they, they follow... They chase him outside. Or I'm thinking of way later in the episode. Yeah, yeah. They, they chase him out into the alley. Yeah. And uh, he tries to climb a fence, like a huge fence, by the way. Yeah. It, it's it's like a 15-foot-tall chain-link fence with barbed wire at the top. Right. Like, he really didn't think this part of the plan. They're really it. trying to protect their trash at this club. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he gets about eight feet up the wall mm-hmm. before he gets shot in the back. Yeah. Even though, of the two guys, one of them says not to shoot. Like, he yeah, didn't, yeah. they didn't even intend to kill Carlo. Well, I, I think it was more... For like to cover their tracks, it would have been easier to just intimidate him into giving them the plates back. Exactly. Than to actually have a dead body on their hands. Yeah. Plus, you know, the gunshots gonna attract attention. Right. And she's out there with the kid too, right as they're about to shoot. Yeah. So she, they have a witness to deal with. She's watching from uh, the corridor yeah. leading out to the back alley, and uh, so she manages to, to slip away with the baby. Um, not, uh, I don't know if she's aware that the money and the plates are in the bassinet. Right. Um, we don't know that yet. Um, I thought she knew that he took money. I, I, I think I know she knew that about the money, but I don't know if if, if she knew about the plates. She knew that they, he stashed the plates That's in the possible. baby's crib. Um, but Carlo here is played by Peter Yunker, who uh, makes an appearance in a movie called Stay Tuned, which we were talking about mm-hmm. with uh, John Ritter and Pam Dauber, who yeah. was Mindy on Mork and Mindy. Yeah, Pam Dauber. Um, and. Uh, it's like the the devil gives these people a, a satellite dish that gives them 666 channels. Yeah. And they're, like, trying to, like, 
suck people in through the TV and brainwash them. And these people get pulled into this alternate universe where they're in, like, hell versions of TV shows, TV shows and yeah. movies. But um, I thought it was relevant because the the one that he makes an appearance in, he plays one of the fathers in a show called Three Men and Rosemary's Baby, which is, like, a second Three Men and a Baby reference from right. this episode. Uh, but he also will come back to MacGyver for season four, episode 11, The Battle of Tommy Giordano. Huh. So, seems like everybody here is skipping additional episodes. Hey, when you work with good people. Yeah. So, Carlo is dead. Katie's on the run. Right. Uh, as <laughs> as we go back now to Max's place, where Jack is arriving in the middle of the night, please just punch that he has got a A bona contract. fide contract. Yeah. No, no endangered species or bad cheeses or... Guns or yeah. drugs. I don't know if he says there's no drugs, because in the past he's delivered such goods as heroin and yeah. uh, stolen diamonds. He, he'll he'll deliver anything. Just don't tell him what it is. Yeah. The less he knows, the I'm sure the these better. Panama porta potties are full of, you know, ecstasy yeah. or something. He has no idea. <laughs> They're full of relief, if you know what I mean. There you go. Uh, but he needs Max's help to get the plane airborne. Um, or else he's going to have to lose the contract, and then move in with MacGyver because he can't afford to keep the hangar. Which he lays out in, like, the worst straw man argument. <laughs> like, yeah. well, if I don't do this, then I'm for sure going to live with you. And then MacGyver immediately pops off the couch like, okay, well, I know a place we can get parts. And we yeah. can... he's, like, ready to fix the plane immediately so he doesn't have to do anything. And uh, as they get to the plane, they, they hear... First they realize that the door is unlocked to the hangar, yeah. which uh, Jack is pretty sure he locked it on his way out, but maybe he didn't. But he, he it's weird because that how did how did Katie open it? I'm assuming he actually left it unlocked. <laughs> <laughs> but he, it's supposed to be a hint that someone has come here so that we're prepared for something. Yeah. She found another way in and unlocked that. I don't know. Maybe. But uh and uh yeah, so as they get to the plane to start working on it, they hear the cry of yeah. a baby. And uh Which is really messed up of her cuz how long has this kid been here? Like 12 hours that it's been starving. Yeah, exactly. Well, she was still in the room when they arrived. She she waited till they arrived. Oh, was before, she? Yeah, before oh, okay. she slipped away. Okay. Um, uh, Mac and Jack find a note on the baby that implicates Jack as the father. Right. Indicates. Yeah, it says it says uh, that it, that his name is Jack Jr. and please take care of him. Yeah. It doesn't straight up say this is your kid. Right. But the fact that everything but that. Yeah. The fact that she's calling the baby Jack Jr., it's just like, oh, this is Jack Jr. Yeah. You know what that means. Um, I like how they have MacGyver, like, slowly put the pieces together. It's like, wait a minute, Jack Jr., this is your kid, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, yeah, that, that was the implication. That's what the note said. We all read it. <laughs> um, Jack wants to call social services, but uh, MacGyver thinks that... For the first time in the series, MacGyver is against calling the proper authorities. Yeah, exactly. Even though he says he's going to go call the police. Yeah. Uh, which is, isn't that the same thing? Yeah. Like, aren't you notifying somebody that there's a baby uh, yeah. without a parent? Unaccompanied minors. Yeah. Mac tries to convince Jack to, to take care of the baby. Like, this is your responsibility, Jack. Um, which I really think is, is kind of harsh. Yeah. To, like, they have no information other than a note. Yeah. Uh and I feel like that's the oldest cliche in the book to, to leave a baby on a doorstep with a note. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and just to... A la Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Except the note is a crystal necklace. 
and it's an egg instead of a <laughs> instead of a instead of a little uh, bassinet. Um, God, that movie's the best. It's so good. <laughs> People crap on that movie. It's so good. Um. So. Uh, they find the money in the basket, and Jack's super excited about this now. Now he wants the the kid to be his because uh, he says like the kid comes with his own trust fund. <laughs> He's super happy about the pile of money, but you can clearly see that the money, like just the weird profile, of the money doesn't look right. Right. Like the the way the paper. The paper is totally wrong. Yeah, which is good. I mean, obviously it's fake money for the purposes of the show, but it's also yeah. fake money for the purpose of the show. But they're all fifty dollar bills, right? <laughs> fifty dollar bills. <clears throat> is that what they're supposed to be? I think they're hundreds. Oh, are they hundreds? Yeah, fifty dollar bills from uh, Goonies. Oh okay, so I'm trying to I'm trying to just gauge look from looking at it. I'm, I mean these were stacks of maybe a thousand bills each, so this is like three hundred thousand bucks or something like that. Uh, I think that they said that they printed a hundred thousand. Okay. Uh, but because it, it yeah. definitely looks like the three stacks that he's holding are thicker than. Yeah, well, I mean, usually like a stack is usually like a hundred bills. Yeah. So. You know, like a thin stack, though. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thin, it's like, like exactly. It's and the ones that he's holding are like fat stacks. So right? maybe that maybe they're stacks of fifty thousand. Maybe. I'd, I'd say that's that possible. That's possible. Yeah. So he's got about one hundred and fifty thousand. Um, so, Katie tries to get some help from a friend named Don, who's another one of the waitresses at the club. Right. And Don tells her that that Cutler and Durst have already been there questioning her. Yeah. Um, and she gives Katie some money and tries to convince her to leave town, get out of here. But she's obviously not going to go that far away from her kid. Exactly. So she ends up just being a homeless person wandering the streets. Yeah, waiting for for something, I guess. Yeah. Back at Mac's place, uh, the uh, Mac and Jack are taking care of the baby, taking turns, yeah. rocking it in the crib. And they made this really cool crib out of like a cargo net and like four hockey sticks. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why MacGyver has four on hand. Well, I mean... I mean, I know he likes hockey, but that seems like overkill you know i i feel like he's probably got like hockey sticks mounted on the wall or maybe he just had four so that he could like get some kids down the street to like put just a pickup game yeah yeah somewhere (laughs) out in the water of his somebody want to go play uh hockey in the ocean no (laughs) no i mean like in a parking lot or something nearby all right yeah that's fine give me a break He got blown up. But either way, it's pretty cool, and the thing is strung up to the ceiling so that it actually swings back and forth. Mm-hmm. And they just have he MacGyver just lays in the couch and pulls a rope. Yeah, he's got like a belt or something like strapped around it so that he can just rock it back and forth without having to get out of bed, which I'm going to build the second I get home. Yeah, perfect. Because <laughs> my make... son is also named Jack, and <laughs> I also need to do this because he he will only sleep when he's rocking back and forth. We're all like that. That's true. I'm going to build one for myself, too. It's called a hammock, Pat. <laughs> I'm going to build a hammock. Whatever it takes. Uh, so, while uh, Jack is sitting with Baby Jack... Right. Uh, Baby Jack reaches for, like, a an object on a table and creates this weird Rube Goldberg kind yep. of, like, reaction of knocking stuff over. Yeah. Which end results in shorting out MacGyver's computer. Yeah, dumping beer all over his keyboard and ruining his computer which shorts out the monitor as well yeah um and uh jack mentions that uh, katie had left him for carlo at the club right and uh they think that uh jack certainly thinks that they should use the money to try to get things going to try to help 
if, if Jack has to take care of the kid, then he should be able to use the money to help get his business up and give the kid a future. But then MacGyver complains that he sent him to go get talcum powder and diapers, and he came back with beer and something. Yeah, chips and beer. Chips and beer. He didn't get anything he was supposed to. He's like, oh, they were sold out. <laughs> All these yuppies are breeding like guppies. <laughs> I don't know what that means. About. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's like a, it's like a knock at the one percent. <laughs> I guess I don't know. It seems like if more people are having kids, then they probably stock the diapers better. Yeah, <laughs> that's how that works. Supply and demand. So Jack's like fiddling around with the money, and MacGyver takes it away from him. And as he does, the plates fall out of the uh, blanket that the money's wrapped up in. Right. And that's when MacGyver puts it together that the money must be counterfeit. Yeah. And from here we cut to the foundation. Yep. So finally we get Pete. Pete's now involved. Yeah. Uh, the third father of the yeah, three men yeah. and the baby situation. We, 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 we dubbed him the Ted Danson? Well, I think he's the Ted Danson um, because he's he's an actual father, mm-hmm. whereas the other two are just kind of bachelors who have no idea what they're doing. Obviously, Jack, in this case, would be Tom Selleck. Yeah. Just mustache Mustache, yeah. <laughs> Which, unfortunately, leaves RDA as the Steve Gutenberg of the situation. Uh, but I think that's where we're at. And now we have Pete calling down to his secretary... Um, to ask for diapers and stuff. Yeah. Um, Pete tells them that the, the plates that they found are real. Yeah. And but that the money is bad because if it weren't, if it weren't for the paper, these would look right. genuine. Is yeah. What he says. Yeah. And the serial number. We, I, we, we were discussing, uh, during our watch. He doesn't bring up the serial number. But yeah. You made that point. Cause, um, in, in, you said three for the road. Yeah. Three for the road is the one where we have a uh, guy finds all this money in his car. And mm-hmm. the only reason MacGyver is able to determine that it's fake is because when he has two of them side by side, they have the same serial number. Yeah. Um, in this one, they don't actually mention serial numbers at all. Right. Which I think would be, like, a big indicator. Yeah, that... but I also, because these are legitimate plates, um, I think they're just kind of ignoring the fact that there's more than one process applied to each bill. Yeah. Which is that, obviously, the plates wouldn't have a serial number on Correct. them. Correct. So any, any forgeries that they made with these plates, they would need to have another stamp applying a serial number and probably other stamps applying other kinds of seals and stuff right, that, right, that right. you don't see on a regular basis. They don't want to make it too obvious that this is all you need. Right. But all you should be able to tell from these plates are the denomination of the bill and the mint that it came from. Right. And then a serial would be printed on them individually from beyond that point. But the serial number seemed like they would be easier to fake. Yeah. I mean, and also you, should... you could you could set your computer to like print them out like non-consecutive mm-hmm. which would make it that much easier to convince people they were real because that's where people get in trouble and they ask for non-consecutive bills when they're holding hostages and stuff like that because yeah, yeah. if you have one two three four five in a row it's like these came directly from the mint yeah, yeah. this is a problem i uh, i i always came up with this bit i'm sure it's been used i'm not sure i always thought it would be funny though of like some kind of hostage negotiation in like a naked gun style show yeah it's like He's like, here you are, 20 grand in unmarked bills. And he opens up the case and it's just blank, blank paper. <laughs> He's like, good. <laughs> That's kind of what they order in this episode. Um, yeah, so Pete says that the, uh, the, the person who stole the plates from the mint has been murdered. Right. Um, well, someone, someone who, yeah, he, he, basically the same thing happens to a different character now. Yeah. But, yeah, this guy worked at the mint. He stole the plates from his office. And presumably was going to try and sell them to these guys and got killed. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so Mac and Jack now uh, head down. They question Don at the club. Right. And 
you know, she's 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 totally being quiet. She does not even say anything that she saw or when she saw her last. But uh, Cutler and Durst, watching from the control tower, uh, notice Jack, and they somehow remember him from from over nine months ago. Yeah, like, oh yeah, this is uh, yeah, it had to be over nine months ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, probably over a year ago because this kid looks older than three months. Exactly, exactly. He's got, and he says she's got four teeth. I yeah, mean, like so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's like, didn't that guy used to date Katie? It's like, do you have a thing for Katie that you're memorizing what her boyfriend's yeah, like? Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, I guess, I mean or, like, or is he the guy that comes in dressed as a pilot with a mustache all the time? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just, I just thought it was weird that he remembered him. Yeah. Um. So after Mac and Jack leave, they signal Don up with the you know the finger gesture of come here. Yeah. Um, that's the other thing that bothers me is that this the the window facing down into the club is not mirrored so they're just staring at people yeah and just like, exactly look at this guy walking through the club and just point directly at him <laughs> it's like everybody in the club can see you just pointing at that guy and looking at him yeah it's really well i mean it's very intimidating for sure sure yeah but it's also just like gives away the fact that you're casting suspicion on people yeah <laughs> it sort of removes the element of surprise so some some <laughs> couple comes in there for a nice meal and they, they just look up and cutler's less like looking down leering <laughs> at them uh, and then Kid signals them to come up to his office. Come up here now. Uh, uh, so, uh, at the hangar, you know, Jack's having a good time with the kid while MacGyver's kind of working on the plane, but also on the side building a, a remote-controlled uh, RC plane. And also just a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> a bomb He's strapped a bomb, which he did before in Last Stand. Right. Strapped bombs to the planes. Right. Uh... And uh, in that episode, he seemed to have countless RC planes. Like, didn't one blow up and then just another one starts flying in? Um, I think... There's definitely more than one in well, Last Stand. I don't remember if there's more than one plane. He he, th- he lobs a whole bunch of those burrito bombs. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's how I remember <laughs> yep, describing they them. They were burrito bombs. Uh, and uh, he straps one to the plane that he lands underneath the other plane. Right. That they're gonna, that's the, that they're gonna fly. Yeah, that's true. This is all. Please refer to our last. Stand oh, you know podcast. what? I think I was thinking of the fact that um, the the bad guy uh, is like, oh, we got to get out of here before they try that again. I yeah, was like, yeah, they already blew up the plane. Like, <laughs> how, how are they gonna try it again? I was like, just they have endless RC planes, but they don't. They only they have don't, one. They only have the one. Um, and uh, so Pete like just came over to to inform them that. Uh, that that the he's still on the case, um, and uh, just then Cutler and Durst arrive, and they put on these weird. I don't even know how you would describe them. They're masks, but they're they're not a mask of anything. It's just yeah, like a it's mold. like a clear plastic that you put over your face, and it just sort of warps your profile enough that you're sort of indistinguishable. Yeah, it's kind of the same logic behind putting like like hosiery over your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it just seems so specific. Yeah. Like like so I feel like I have seen it in something before. I don't like, know what. Like where do you buy masks like that? Yeah, yeah. You just pour Elmer's over his <laughs> face. Rubber cement just, yeah. just perfect. Uh <laughs> you know, put the straws in the nose. So. Right, right. Don't forget. Very important. Uh so they they run up to Mac and Jack, uh one armed with a shotgun, the other with just like a, a revolver. And this weird with this weird intro of, can we have a moment with you gentlemen? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, 
just yell freeze or hold it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, or hand over the kid. Yeah, exactly. They they want the kid because they know that Katie will come back for the kid. Yeah. Um. Again, not knowing that the plates where the plates are. They they assume that Katie still has the plates. Right now, we know that Pete has possession of the plates, or at right. least has given them to the feds at this point. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, Mac and Jack obviously are unwilling to to surrender the kid, so uh, Mac flicks on the airplane engine, which causes it to just in the in the orientation that it's already facing towards them, just starts tearing down the interior of the hangar right at Cutler and Durst. Right. Um, and I think I think it just takes... Well, isn't the first step, though, that MacGyver flicks on the RC plane? That, that's what I said. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the actual plane Oh, no, no, the, the, yeah, the, no, yeah, the R, I should, I should have clarified. Okay. Yeah, the, the RC plane engine. Yeah, so he, he turns on the RC plane, and it basically flies straight at them, and when they go to dodge it, it flies out the door. Yeah. But they do, they both fire at it, right? Um, I feel On like, this first pass? I, I feel like they do fire at it, but it... Um, I can't tell... But they don't get it. Exactly. Because it's moving too quickly. But then it goes outside and just does kind of a loop around while Jack decides he's going to turn on the big plane. Right. And start that one running. And then um, MacGyver still has the RC control in his hands. So he's able to navigate it back in through the hangar door and then crash it in the top of a toolbox where it then just explodes. Explodes. Yeah. Like there's just like a a methane... Like balloon right on top of this thing. Yeah, I mean, I know it's a gas-powered plane, but still, like, it, yeah, it, it doesn't does, seem like it there shouldn't ex- have been enough in the plane to cause that explosion. But then the guys get sort of disoriented again by the explosion, right. and then MacGyver, for the second time in five episodes, pulls the flame retardant hose mm-hmm. out and starts blasting it through the prop at the guys. Yeah, yeah. So the prop wash is like blowing it back yeah. at Cutler and Durst, and he yells up to Jack to to call the police on the radio. Yeah. And uh, so Cutler and Durst go like, oh, they're calling the cops. Let's get out of here. Um, and uh, so they take off, but uh, Jack's all, MacGyver, you know the radio doesn't work. Yeah. Um, I would have waited yeah, a little bit longer. That. Yeah, he says it pretty loud. Yeah. It's like, oh, wait, the radio doesn't work? Oh, come back. Let's kill them. Um, and yeah, they still could have killed them. I feel like they would have, this, this runway is probably a little bit a distance before the police would actually arrive. But I feel like they also had a problem getting rid of Carlo's body. I mean, they found it pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. And so they probably didn't want to kill any more people. They'd probably rather avoid that. Yeah. But it would have been much easier for them to just come in and shoot MacGyver, shoot Jack, take the kid. Yeah. Uh, so back at the foundation, uh, uh, they're trying to work out the next part of the plan, which is that they know they have to find Katie. Yeah. Um, but she knows they know she won't call she won't be able to call anyone because she doesn't know who to call. Yeah. And uh, so they come up with a plan to fly around the city with a banner hanging from the yeah. back of a plane. At this point, though, I feel like you hand the kid over to the Phoenix Foundation yeah. for protective custody, and you solve the mystery on your own without bringing a kid into the gunfight. Yeah, because the kid is obviously the target. Yeah. So and they, they said as much last time, that their intention is to steal the kid back to lure her out of hiding. Yeah. And it's like, okay, then let's put the kid somewhere that you can't possibly get to him, like the Phoenix Foundation, mm-hmm. or, the, like, let's call the FBI. They take care of the kid for yeah. the time I, being. I mean, we, we have we have multiple things going on here. We have the treasury plates, so that's a federal crime. Right. And then we have, you know, attempted kidnapping and murder. Right. So, like, clearly the, the steps need to be taken beyond just 
let's just keep looking around and yeah. fly this plane around. Um, in the meantime, while while Jack and Mac are trying to to signal Katie, Cutler and Durst meet with their paper man. Yeah. Yeah. So they they now have the mint quality paper. Um, and they immediately kill. And I don't know why this guy expected anything more. Like, yeah. I feel like, first of all, as soon as, as soon as someone that works at the mint that stole plates gets killed, yeah. you send out notification, like, industry-wide for mints and treasuries that, hey, someone out there is trying to make fake money and they're yeah. killing people that, that so... steal things. So it's probably in your best interest not to cooperate with these people. And if you see or hear anything, please let us know. Yeah. This guy's like... You know what, though? They offered me a lot of money if I give them authentic mint paper. They offered him $20,000. Yeah, $20,000. And he probably stole maybe a billion dollars worth of paper yeah, for them. Yeah, so much paper in that truck. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge truck full of, of apparently mint-grade paper that would be so protected there's no way this guy could have gotten away with it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot. But it's then like... the the fact that he, that he only asked for $20,000 is amazing. The fact that they didn't pay him for it is even yeah. more amazing. It's like just I, give the guy twenty thousand dollars. That's nothing. Yeah, I mean, because you're now you got bodies. And they didn't even give up. him fake money. They just gave him one one hundred dollar bill a with bunch a bunch of newspaper clippings underneath it. Like, why even bother? Just shoot him. Yeah. <laughs> like he's not going to notice that the second you hand it to him. He, he didn't didn't seem like he was armed. Yeah. So from there we go to Katie walking around the city at night. And she happens to walk by a bunch of televisions that are on in a right. like an electronics store. Yeah, and it shows the uh, a news. They're broadcast. doing a news story on the banner. Yeah, so it's like double whammy. They 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 decided they could shoot and have her notice the banner, but instead, let's just make this an even more public right, right. battle and do a news story about it. What well, also makes it, I think, it also would make it harder for Cutler and Durst. Like now, if there's like public knowledge that that something's going on, yeah. They, they might be able to take less uh, dramatic action that they've been taking so far. Yeah. Also, Jack Jr. needs his mama. It's like a weird, yeah. weirdly vague way to put that. Um, I, well, I, but I guess it's like, it's better than saying, hey, Katie, call this number for your kid. Well, they it, already know that it's Katie's kid. But the, the, but the bad guys don't know that the baby's name is Jack Jr., I would assume. I guess. Um. And so they wouldn't know that the message was specifically for Katie. They'd be like, oh, look, some baby is looking for his mom. Anyway, let's go. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> In the same town where I don't we know. know of a baby that was taken from its mother. I don't know. It seems it seems like you could, if you're going to go so specific as to put Jack's cell phone number on the thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you might as well just spell everything out. Well, it's actually go. Mac's home number, apparently. Yeah, but I guess the Phoenix Foundation is just going cheapo on the on the announcement. Yeah, well, hey, those planes and banners aren't easy to make. They charge per letter, so <laughs> it's rough. Uh, so Katie finally decides to to call in. Yeah. And uh, and uh, she's so like incredibly happy, like to to get her baby back, and uh, they take her back to Mac's place where Pete. Pete's now there, and they, they've just recently found the body of the, the guy who stole the paper, and the bullets match the one that killed Carlo. Yeah. Doesn't really help them, because they don't have the gun that fired the bullets. They just have, they just know that the same person killed him. Yeah. Uh, but the feds are on their way to the night, to the to the officer's club, the bar. So they at least have that lead to, to follow up with, and that's where Pete and Mac head off to, leaving Jack and uh, Katie to talk about the kid. Yeah. 
and uh, that's kind of where like where Jack finds out that the kid's not his. Yeah. That uh, she's. I'm sorry if I confused you by naming him Jack Junior, even though his father's name was Carlo. Yeah. Yeah, that was a little confusing. Especially the junior part. Yeah. Because why wouldn't he just be Jack? Yeah, and also the fact that we, I guess, have had sex recently enough that this could have been my child in my head. Yeah. It's like, then are you that sure that it's not my kid? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, she's, she seems pretty certain. Yeah. Uh, at the uh, club, Mac and Pete arrive, uh, but the, the, the feds had just broken in and, and Cutler and Durst hid in their little secret room. Right. Uh, so the feds checked the whole place out but didn't find anything. Uh, and they seem kind of mad at Pete and Mac. Like, we didn't find anything here. We're moving you out of here. You guys wasted our time. Yeah, it's like, dudes, you have... There's so much, like, evidence that yeah, something is going at on. At the very least, we've completely prevented them from being able to create all this right. money by taking the plates. We have the plates. We have an eyewitness who said that they're printing money. And then they killed somebody for the money. So you know something's happening. Um uh, you know, just because they... You have the body of one of the people they shot. If you investigate the alleyway, you're probably going to find blood somewhere. Yeah. So it's like, you know, take your time here and, and look a little, look around a little bit more thoroughly. Yeah. Like, maybe check the whole office upstairs. Yeah. But uh, MacGyver notices that the room is smaller than it should be. As they're leaving. Like, yeah. all the agents are like, all right, well, we've been here for eight minutes. We didn't yeah. find anything. Time to go home. Um, yeah, so it's kind of like a panic room situation. Yeah. Like, uh, like, this room seems smaller than it should be. Um, and uh, MacGyver kind of, like, starts eyeballing the uh, the glass stencil. And then he tries to play it off like he, th- like he doesn't think like that it's actually anything. Like, he, like, checks his hair. And it, in the meantime... Cutler, but they're paranoid enough. Yeah, they, they got that, a shotgun yeah. aimed right at the glass. Yeah. Um, and so it's Mac and Pete are in the office. Mm-hmm. And so Mac casually walks over to the light switch uh, of the office. And by turning the light switch off, the light that's in the printing press room... Uh, is now making them visible on the other side correct. of the mirror. Because now they're backlit instead of having the reflection of the room overpower the brightness right. of the room that they were hiding in. Which I feel like if it's a one-way mirror, it should just the should, light shouldn't be coming through on the other side. Well, I mean, it, it, it's just how... Yeah, it, w- it would, though. I mean, it seems like you wouldn't have lights on, on that side of it that were bright enough to do that. Well, exactly. Like, you shouldn't... I mean, you should... There should be ambient light coming in from the club that should counteract it enough. Or, or And that they should have known to turn off the lights that were in that room... Yeah. ...in case. Yeah. Because even if even with the lights on and you couldn't see it because the lights were brighter, if they got too close to the glass, you would see, like, their silhouettes and Maybe stuff. Maybe they just wanted to do some reading or something in there. Yeah. So, now that they've been revealed, they just unload the shotgun right at the glass. Yeah. Which I feel would have probably stopped most of that buckshot anyway. Right. Um, but th- at this point, the FBI people are coming back because they're hearing shots fired. Right. And uh, Mac and Pete are forced to dive out of the way. And uh, for some reason, Cutler and Durst run right up to the control tower viewing window. window. Yeah, and fire down into the club. Yeah. Oh, no, they fire, they fire at Pete. Or people, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Cutler and Durst uh, run right up to the control tower viewing window, and Mac and Pete grab a sofa. Yeah. And they're using the sofa as a shield, which... Totally not bulletproof. Yeah, not bulletproof. Uh, but they just run it right at Cutler and Durst and fling them out the window. Yeah. It's a really crazy, like, 
I, I don't know. I don't think it's a stunt because it looks like one of them kind of ragdolls it out of there. But yeah, and um, then they both get smashed into a table on yeah. the way down. Oh, man, all that broken glass and yeah. just that fall. That's that's some serious hurting. And MacGyver gets a gets a chance to get that rough landing comment in. Yeah. And that's kind of that. That's the end of the, like the main plot, and that's when we come into our Act Five uh, roundup of. Uh, Everyone's back at MacGyver's Has place. MacGyver had a single normal landing in an airplane in this show? Like, we had a we had a guy have a heart attack. <laughs> they had to crash land the plane. Uh, every time Dalton's flying, they either have to make a fake landing and then turn around and take off again so they don't get killed by the local police. Or Well, I was going to argue the um, the fighter pilot, the female fighter pilot, oh, yeah. flew in, but she flipped him up around in the air and all that yeah. stuff, so it wasn't a normal flight. And he's, he was pretty nauseous on at the end of that, too. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so everyone's back at Max's place, and the, um, Katie's talking about moving on to, like, another town, taking other jobs and whatever, but they're trying to convince her to stay and that they're all going to, like, chip in and take care of the kid. Yeah. Which I think is kind of a weird statement Yeah. for, for the show, like... Again, you were talking about like the inspiration of three men and a little baby. Yeah. But or just a baby. Yeah. You're combining the two. Oh yeah, a little lady. <laughs> <laughs> the sequel. Um, By the way, do you remember the joke in our? I think it was the one of the first episodes of our of the cinema uh, or loitering podcast, uh-huh. where it was like we were talking about how the direct. Do you know? You know who directed Three Men and a and a Baby? Oh. It was uh, Spock. Leonard Nimoy? Leonard Nimoy directed Three Men and a Baby. Wow. Yeah, and then <laughs> we were talking about it, and then I think it was uh, Evan said that George Takei directed a similar movie. It was just called Three Men. Oh, my. It made me laugh. Uh, and it gets her a little awkward here because Jack says he's going to take Katie out on a date, and, like, yeah, they haven't we, even we had just, a yeah. funeral. She doesn't. Does she even know for sure that Carlo is dead? She saw him get shot once. Yeah, and then uh, well, she ran off. I, I'm pretty sure by now she knows yeah. he's dead. But but yeah, but yeah, he hasn't had a funeral, and and uh, she's like still recovering from this trauma of thinking her yeah. child was going to get killed for a week, and now he's like, eh, we should go out for drinks. Yeah, and and like Pete and Jack, uh, Pete and MacGyver, uh, stay home with the kid. Yeah. Uh, and they like they just kind of rounded up with like a little hockey, like they MacGyver was holding the kid while making him like hit a fake hockey puck yeah. through a goal. That's kind of like where we get our like little closing, closing bit. Yeah. Um, and then whoever the whoever uh, Durst and Cutler were working for probably bursts in and kills everyone. Yeah. <laughs> this is never a two man operation. Something where you're like right? literally making all this money. All, all the things that need to go into printing money. They got the printing press. Like, where did these two guys that run, like, a tiny airport bar get connections to, like, the Federal Mint? Right. To order this paper and all these plates and everything. There is a larger conspiracy here. Yeah. Where... There's definitely more more people behind this that are probably upset about how it went down. But it's still a fun episode. Yeah. It's... And the, I think just the... the all the set design of the bar makes a, makes a lot of difference to the yeah. whole episode. Because it's not just a, a random... Bar. Yeah, it's just such a great location, and the windows up top make perfect sense yeah. because of like the way they've designed it, and the 
the hidden room up upstairs is great. It just all of it works really well together. Um, and I mean, almost any Jack episode is going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, you throw a baby in the mix, you get kind of the same kind of fun you get mm-hmm. with three men and a baby. Yeah. So it, I mean, it made sense for them to to borrow the plot element from the film because some of the fun of that episode or of the movie comes through in the episode. Right. Because like the whole like I don't know how to change a baby. Do yeah. You know how to change a baby. Um, and like, cause MacGyver's like using duct tape to hold the diaper together. It's funny though that they, they constantly paint MacGyver as being like, like the most prepared person in the world, completely inept at childcare. Yeah. Like the time in birthday and stuff. And he's just like, Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know anything about kids. Get me away from this. Like, yeah, yeah. No, thank you. It's like, it's not that hard, buddy. <laughs> they also like, like had like these touchstones of like. Oh, MacGyver, like, don't you ever wish you had kids? So, yeah. Oh, well. And then we kind of sort of briefly remind the viewers that Pete is a bit of a family man. Even yeah. If, even if the, he's kind of distanced himself from the family. And we never see them again. <laughs> I think his kid's going to come back pretty soon. Uh, Different actor, same kid. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Michael, I think was his name. Mm-hmm. Michael Thornton. But yeah, it's a good episode. Like, the... the um. I always had fond memories of a three minute old. I keep saying three minute a little baby. Keep most most babies it. are small. Yeah, it's not my fault. Um, I I remember the sequel more. It's still accurate. Um, I don't remember either one of them very well. No, I I, I need to go back and recheck those out because I like all three of those guys. Mm-hmm. Even though Gutenberg kind of got reduced to a punchline lately, even though he was always great. Like, yeah, I, he wasn't popular for no reason. He was popular because he was great. Yeah, like I mean, he he did all like all those. 80s movies that you remember. We were just talking about Cocoon. We were yeah. talking about Short, Short Circuit. And police Academy. Police just Academy. great movies. <laughs> one of the Police Academies is great. Okay. <laughs> the first one. <laughs> By the way, if you ever want to try that marathon, just go ahead and don't. <laughs> listen to the uh, Cinemarathon. Yeah, listen to the Cinemarathon podcast on the Police Academy series instead. And how we slowly go insane. <laughs> um. But yeah, I think that's about it for this episode. Um, if you guys have any thoughts you want to share with us, you can find us on Twitter at Opening Gambit. You can find us at Facebook.com slash Phoenix Foundation Podcast or our website, phoenixfoundationpodcast.com. And as always, if you're digging the show, feel free to review us on iTunes. Tune in next week. We're going to be covering Season 3, Episode 19, The Endangered, which is the last episode with uh, MacGyver. Yeah. Uh, we decided. He's dead. <laughs> we'll, we'll explain that a little bit more when we get there. And thank you for listening. Thank you.